And now, a word from our sponsors. Need a catch-up session on what you missed last week? Now you're listening to ArchD Radio, the podcast mix. ArchD Life FM, James here with you. Hope you're having a fantastic evening. Happy New Year and all of that kind of stuff. Happy New Year to you, Lauren Beerer. Thank you. Happy New Year to you. It's a a pleasure to have you in the studio today. Thank you very much for for taking some time out of your busy schedule to actually come in. What's your official title over there um, at uh, Catholic Church Office here in Adelaide? Pastoral Services Support in Community Life and Worship. Okay, what does that mean? It means that we help parishes and schools in all things liturgical and ritual and music and events and resources that are available to schools throughout the year and parishes so we make lenten reflection booklets and advent booklets and we put on archdiocesan events with yeah. with the archbishop so I, and you're also because i know i've called on you before in the past you're also on on call you know break emergency red phone if required if there's a liturgical emergency because the thing about i guess with doing church stuff um when you're in the catholic church is that there's such a a, a, a deep history and also very kind of like um, recognize parameters of the way that you need to kind of like do things at certain times and certain points and that's I mean it's it's the double-edged sword I guess in terms of, of the Catholic Church on, on one hand you have this beautiful rich amazing uh, uh, stuff that you can use but on the other hand there's very established ways in which to do that how do you find that like do you think that there's a kind of a bit of a, a sort of like a conflict between those two things do you find that yeah I do find it challenging sometimes to have it almost feels restrictive Mm. because you're following a ritual book and so these prayers have to be prayed and said in a certain way or if the archbishop is here these are the certain things we have to have in place to host the archbishop but that also highlights as you said the deep history of our faith and Trying to keep that alive is important. Yeah. We we've got so much to talk about today, and I, I I'm so keen to, to to get into your story and your background and all this stuff um, because your history with uh, uh, working with stuff to do with church and youth ministry it goes way 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 back for you, and you've done amazing things, and uh, uh, I can't wait to talk about all of those things. And now. My very special guest, uh, Lauren Beerer, um, who has a very impressive job title. She's basically in charge of all things liturgy, uh, which is really kind of like all things to do with like readings, music, uh, the things that you do uh, as, as part of celebrating, commemorating, and all of that stuff to do in the most Catholic parts of, of the year. It's a very, very important uh, important role. And the Archbishop... Um, which is really interesting. Uh, now we've we've got a new archbishop. He's not that new. He's been there for a few a few years now. But he's also an incredible. Uh, he's got a real incredibly liturg- liturg- liturgical mind, hasn't he? He's got a really. Mm. He was recognised, I think, when he came over and said, "You know, you hope you realise you're actually getting one of the best liturgists in Australia at the moment over there." What's it like when you you've got to work with him? Is it uh, intimidating? <laughs> is it intimidating? <laughs> Um, sometimes if you've prepared something and you've tried to check all the boxes and make sure that you're following the ritual according to the rite or according to the liturgical season, um, Mm. and then he is very good at just picking up that you've 
your gospel reading is from a different version of the Bible. That's not the Jerusalem Bible. And he oh, wow. was just outstanding. So I learned that very quick. And So, so he now- can pick between different Bible. He goes, oh, yes. that's that version. Yes. <laughs> so, so I've learned to always check that I'm using the Jerusalem Bible because uh-huh. that's what the Australian Catholic bishops have said is the standard for Catholic um, celebrations. Okay. So I don't make that mistake anymore. Okay, <laughs> wonderful. Let's go for you all the way back to the beginning. Your uh, like faith journey, did it start from early childhood for you? It's a little interesting. I come from a family with a broken marriage mm-hmm. and I was – enrolled in Catholic schools, living with my mum. Mm. But the Catholic faith wasn't the most important element of that. And so we were what I now call creasters. We'd go to church Christmas and Easter. Okay. Creasters. And every second weekend I'd spend with my dad and he is a born again Christian from when I was about seven years old. And he was very uh, devoted to his faith and still is and went through a lot of big things for him that I was just a spectator to. Mm. So like burning all of his albums if they felt like they weren't following the Christian faith and things like that. And How old were you when you, when you witnessed that? Uh, seven. So what, were you, what did you think? I mean, there's a thing when you're that age, when you see your parents do something, there is a sense of going, well, that's just a responsible thing to do. They're an adult. They know what they're yes. doing. Yeah. He's the grown up. So this must be a great thing. We started saying grace around the table and going to church every Sunday when I was with him. Mm-hmm. And the church was the Uniting Church and it felt very homegrown. It was in a country town, a very small community, beautiful families. And there was really fun Sunday schools. And so I would go to the Sunday school, we'd learn a scripture, we'd have a sheet of paper to color in. And that was my weekend. We'd have dinners with those families. And I saw it as a great way of building community. Right. So all of your experiences of church from a very young age was about uh, care, love, community, um, being together with other people. Did you Mm -hmm. form any friendships with other kids as well at that age too? Yeah, I did. Our whole family did. And we even got to then later see my dad preach eventually. Oh, okay. It wasn't from a church that there was one person in charge. There was a head minister, but there was invited people to preach. So that showed me elements of flexibility in church, which was very different from my school life where you had a priest and definite ways of praying And so I had an interesting balance of praise and worship music and free-flowing prayer and charismatic speaking in tongues. And and then um, at school, having celebrations of mass and kneeling and standing and having these repeated prayers during mass. And my father would sometimes challenge the Catholic Church to me. And Mm. so at a young age, I was trying to defend (laughs) Catholicism. And he would say things like, oh, we don't have statues and we don't pray to Mary and and we don't blah, blah, blah. And I didn't know how to defend it. But I also felt like I had these roots in Catholicism from my mother's side. So yeah. I did feel like I needed to defend it a little bit because yeah. some of my friends were Catholic and, yeah, it was def- definitely a, a balance growing up. Yeah, and I guess, too, it would be – because it's kind of like if you're coming from, you know, one side of your family, your mum's side's Catholic side and the other side – I mean, your dad is part of this more Pentecostal um, mm. uh, church – 
it must have felt was there a sense that it was like kind of like one parent versus another parent i mean mm. as a child they always. can't help yeah it's mm -hmm. always hard isn't it it was and then it wasn't until i became a young adult and i was invited to a youth group that was catholic but it had more of that community love free flowing prayer yeah praise and worship music that i felt like oh there's roots in catholicism but it has flexibility with these you know it, moments of reconciliation or just being together with other people and sharing faith conversations that made me feel like I'd found where I needed to be yeah that was an amazing period of my life where it was a great time to just question faith as a young adult which I think is really important and what sort of things were you questioning I was questioning the art of celebrating your faith or okay. praying together with other people does it need to be i felt like really angry about the rituals that said you were meant to kneel and you were meant to stand and i was not comfortable with that because i was a rebellious young adult and i was like you can't tell me what to do and what if i want to pray standing up and not kneeling and and those are things that i still hear young people questioning mm. um and i was also trying out things in my life like yoga and when i met a Christian yoga teacher. She taught me her way of practicing yoga was using prayer and standing and sitting and being in these different positions for yoga was very similar to how we celebrated mass. And that made me actually accept mm. those stances that we take in mass as part of the way we celebrate, almost like a yoga <laughs> practice and it made me accept it a little more and also seeing other youth um, or people my age being able to talk openly about their faith really made me feel like in my time of questioning that I had a place to belong and that felt wonderful and so this this youth group so you were what sort of age you said you were a young adult so how old would that have been for it was you from 17 to 20 one and you were invited there by a friend of yours i was yes. yeah okay and from there then what like how did that lead on i guess did was that really the moment for you where it all kind of started to crystallize i mean one of the the uh the, the reading the gospel reading for this week that that we'll, we would hear in mass is john 135 to 42 um and it really is about that moment of conversion and that moment mm -hmm. of i guess accepting uh, that this is actually going to be a part of your life going forward. Was it that for you? So for me, it was being invited to help out with the music at yeah. church alongside some of those other people in the youth group. And I could not tell you the order of the mass at all because I hadn't been to enough masses, let alone been in leadership role for the mass. So I didn't know when the psalm was. I didn't know when you sing holy, holy. I had no idea. <laughs> and then I was sometimes left by myself and I had a dear priest, Father Rob Eager, who just passed away this year. He was wonderful. I love Rob. And he would just give me a gentle nod like, you go now and you start now. And so I learned the order of the mass by being in that position of leading music. And having that responsibility was an honor and also a huge learning curve. Um, and that's what pushed me through and kept me going, belonging to a church and, and being invested in my faith life because I had that responsibility and that gift to bring to the mm. Catholic Church. Yeah. I found that really important. And I met my husband in that youth group. Yeah. And that took me overseas because he is from America. Yeah. So then I found myself in a very 
um, Catholic community and town and they heard that I had a musical gift and I was put straight on the roster and I found myself playing in many, many churches every Sunday. Yeah. And that's what tied me into that community. Yeah. Um, so the, the thing about um, Father Rob Eager that I know most people won't know is that he was very, very instrumental in a particular kind of, I think this is the youth group that you're talking about, this particular kind of uh, youth ministry um, um, that does involve young people as a group and they kind of move around, they tour around, it's thing called net, um, net ministry. Was that the youth group that you were talking about? No, I was part, I belonged to a youth ministry in Seacom Gardens mm. in Adelaide and the net team came and visited and stayed with us. Okay. So we you met. were never a part of net yourself. I always thought no. you were part of that. No, no. Well, I, that's go. a common, yeah, because my husband was from net. People have to think I was too. And that's how we landed in your parish then. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And it's a Seacombe Gardens is actually a very cool parish. I always liked going there because of the way that the seating works. It's like you're in an auditorium. Actually, probably a lot more like a more of those big charismatic churches like you see on TV. Well, I say there you are see no, on TV. No church pews, no kneelers, carpet. No. And yeah, like an auditorium. Yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> Hey, this is Emma. Hi, I'm Zach. Hey, everybody, this is Matt Morris. That's Tom. That's Riley. And now... This is Archie. Archie Radio 107. Live. <laughs> <laughs> Laura just... <laughs> she just confessed to me, uh, this is the very first interview that you've ever done. And I can't believe that people haven't been trying to mine you for your wisdom on, on and your experiences. Uh, but you're doing, you're doing Not wonderfully. Not with a microphone Great. in front no. of me. No. Brilliant. Um... I wanted to find out a bit uh, the the work that you've actually done in terms of uh, you talked about extensive stuff that you've done, I guess, in music ministry, playing music for churches, as well as a youth ministry in general and other roles within the church as well. Has there been for you a highlight so far that you would immediately go, you know what, is at this moment that I realise that, uh, uh, you know, what I'm doing is actually something very uh, is very is something very substantial. That could have been for others. That could have been for you. I mean, I'm just sort of digging here. I suppose was there a moment? Is there a moment for you that immediately springs to mind? There are a few, and I'll try to keep it brief. But when I was in Minnesota, because my husband was a youth minister, I was not the youth minister. Mm. I was the youth minister's wife, and <laughs> that's a that's thing. a crazy title. <laughs> that is a thing, and I was uh, invited to be part of a program that they run in the summer for youth called Young Neighbours in Action and they send youth who be, who are part of a church community all around the country to impoverished areas and teach the Catholic social justice um, lessons while they go out into the community and serve soup at a soup kitchen or do gardening to get rid of people's invasive weeds and they paint homes for poor people and it's just an amazing that experience. Incredible. I, the first time I did it, I was employed as the prayer leader, prayer and music leader. So when the kids come back to the home base, we reflect on the day, do some journaling, have a little bit of music and prayer, all eat together and just hang out and have fun. And that was hard being the prayer leader because there's 200 high school kids in front of me. Mm -hmm. um, but also... I was 25 weeks pregnant with my first child at oh, the time wow. and it was the summer and we were in Detroit and there were some hard things to see in Detroit. Detroit's yeah. a really poor area. Um, but yeah, so eye-opening personally and challenging on the work front 
Um, but just, yeah, a huge highlight to be able to see those parts of the world mm. and be able to be with young people, praying with them and teaching them these great things that you can do in life. The other thing was um, Vacation Bible School was run every year in every church in America, Catholic, Pentecostal, mm-hmm. like it doesn't matter. And hundreds of children turn up at these things during yeah. the summer vacation. Wow. And I just put my hand up to volunteer Again, leading the music, you'd learn all these big action songs and lead all these little kids. And they were so excited to be there. And that was a really fun program. It only ran for a week, but it was a lot of work and um, really, yeah, it blessed us as well as blessing the children. Yeah. But then the other just minor moments, well, then they can be major moments, but just when you're leading music for a regular Sunday mass and someone comes up to you and says, not just that they liked your singing or that they liked the songs, but they felt something during the Mass because of the music that happened or it helped them understand the gospel better or they were brought to tears after communion and they don't even know why, but we loved your music. Hearing those things just reinvigorates my why behind you know, doing music ministry and how, how important it is. This gets you emotional, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. I can see that. That's yeah. that's wild. Does it really? Yeah. So just being able to offer a gift, which for me is a, a simple thing that I've been doing since I was young, playing music. Yeah. But to allow moments of silence, which is important, to be able to pick music that you know is going to deepen the prayer or break open the understanding in the room of what's happening, whether it's bringing the gifts up or celebrating communion together, that having the right music to accompany that, not just as a time filler, but to add meaning, that is really important. And if you can offer that, then you're helping other people worship. Yeah, and I've uh, th- like I remember there was a a, a mass celebration at uh, one of the big uh, Catholic um, dioceses and assemblies. I think it was, I don't know if it was last year or the year before that that it happened. But you know, you got up and did. I think there was one bit where you just got up and did one thing on your own, a solo bit on your mm-hmm. own. And I remember at the time, I think I was talking to Peter and uh, your husband and a couple of other people at the same time, and I just go, it's amazing. It's almost like when you see people who are able to sing and and play just one instrument and create this moment of, of real special sanctity, almost like, um, you know, almost like this time standstill moment just on their own. It's such a remarkable thing to be able to do because it's like magic. It really is like magic and when you do that. a spontaneous request. Yes, I know. And you said that too at the time. <laughs> I was like, oh. It's like when, you know, when you do that and then uh, uh, your husband Peter as well, he has this thing where he's able to get up and just give spontaneous speeches at the drop of a hat. And um, as someone who, like for me, like speaking is kind of my job. It's what I do. And when someone gets up there without it really being their job and what they do and being so much better at it than I'll ever be, <laughs> I just go, mm. Well, the request was- I'm grumpy at you. The Oceans song, which any music minister will know Oceans like the back of the hand. So. I know, but not be able to perform it in a way that has that, you know, it, it's a song that you hear so often that quite often it can just become, you know, 
an elevator music thing. It can just become kind of right. background. And if you really connect with what's going on, it's an amazing song. <laughs> and now... Lauren Beerer is my very special guest here on the show this evening. Now, Lauren, you have got uh, a new initiative, a new choir that you're starting up. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I've been thinking about this for a few years, mainly because I want to belong to a choir. Okay. <laughs> but I know that during the COVID era, can we call it that? Yeah, let's call it that. Um, Which, well, I mean, what would that really be? That's kind of like, like I guess, April 2020. Until end of 22, I guess. Pretty much. That choirs became non-existent mm. in some areas, and then the rebuilding of those choirs has been slow. And I think singing together is a spiritual thing, if voices are resonating together. And I also feel for the newly graduated people who belong to a great music department in their high school, yeah, and that is part of their identity, because it was part of mine that when you graduate and you go to uni, there there's a university choir at Flinders and at Adelaide Uni, but it's mainly for music students. So what do people belong to when they're not studying music but still want to sing together? So I thought, well, what if we created a young adult, you know, for all the graduated people to come once a month on a Sunday evening and just sing really cool music together. And there's no obligation to prepare for a mass or a church event. Um, it's about that Sunday night, those two hours. We see pub choir and, and thousands of people come to pub choir. What if we sang music by Kirk Franklin or yeah. old African spirituals and bring them alive again? And I, I'm really looking forward to just finding out who in Adelaide wants to come together and when I was talking about this with colleagues, I found out that it's not just young adults that want to do that. It's all ages. Yeah. So I've reset and reframed that idea to be more community-based. Um, it will definitely be 18 and up and anyone can come. And it will be, they, there'll be challenging pieces. So it'll be for people who can sing in four-part harmony music. I was about reading. to ask, are you going to go full four-part? <laughs> Yes, and Which not is all like, the time. But no, yeah. <laughs> and music reading is definitely beneficial. And I'm hoping to, and I haven't asked the backing band, but I'm hoping to have a similar backing band that we had for World Youth Day Celebration. Oh, okay. Which Who was might, in that again? might involve you. <laughs> <laughs> but to have um, the first hour, it'll start from 7 to 9, and it's going to be the first Sunday of every month, starting in March. And for now, we're going to gather at the cathedral, the St. Francis Xavier Cathedral in Adelaide. If there becomes, you know, if we outgrow that or need to move, we can. It really started from a song that I heard on Spotify called Joy by Ben Rector. He has his album version, but he also recorded with a group called The Choir Room. And I looked up The Choir Room. They're based in Nashville. And their first video was how we became... 60 people to 1300 people in six months wow and if you watch that on youtube it's so inspiring and it was just to gather people so that people have a sense of belonging um you don't have to be an expert at singing but just that experience of singing with other people is a beautiful one and that's what i want to offer here in adelaide okay so what we'll do is when this all starts to happen Please uh, uh, let me know, and I'll stick it up on the on our HD socials, on our Instagram, and our Facebook and stuff, so people can see it, mm -hmm. and uh, and yeah, and uh, 
if people are, if that if people listen to go yes 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 please I want to know so yes. that's March so in a, in, a, in about a month and a half you're looking to get this thing going yes I've already got charts kind of in my back pocket. oh wow okay you got the, so- I've the got songs the songs okay picked, um just to start with but I will off I will definitely want to work with the people who end up turning up mm-hmm. and that's why I don't even have a name for the choir yet because well everything I come up with my husband Peter goes nah <laughs> <laughs> So, but I do want it to be a community feel. So if we come up with something together, I feel like that'll be more organic and really excited to offer it and just see who turns up, which is a bit overwhelming because what if only 10 people turn up? But I've been told that there are lots of people out there who do want to come sing together. It'll be free and um, just a beautiful thing to experience on a Sunday night. I can already just off the top of my head can think of easily just 10 people who I would go straight away they'd be totally into it wanting to do it anyway I think you I think you'll be okay I think think you'll be fine I'm gonna talk to some music directors from high schools around the town and see if they can that would be perfect yeah yeah and I think if if people did know as they leave because kids like not kids they're adults they're young adults but they do have a sense of and I know this as well from the work that we do with HD like we have probably a dozen um ex-students in their mid-20s who were still part of the the program going forward because mm. they said, you know, we just missed it. You know, we just wanted to be able to keep on going. So I'm like, well, yeah. I'm not going to tell you to just go home. Our, our <laughs> eldest daughter is already thinking about how she only has two years left of school and what is she going to do after that? Yeah, so, right. Yeah, it's giving a home for just nurturing that part yeah. of your life. It's wonderful that we can do that as well. It's great, isn't it? Lauren, thank you so much for being a part of the show today and coming in for your very first interview ever in your life. That's wild. Thanks for having me. It really wasn't as difficult as I thought it would be. Yeah, oh, good, good, good. Leave us a good review on Yelp or something. I don't know. <laughs> we are here every week with a brand new podcast version of the ArchD show. Check out all of our other podcasts, including the latest school life content on our website, archdradio.com. And find us on social media at RHD Radio for heaps of behind-the-scenes stuff. Or you can catch the show when it airs on Life FM every Wednesday night from 9, every Saturday night from 10. We will see you again very soon. Bye.